Hello and welcome to the Evolution of Business podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Brady, and I actually have a co-host for the first time today, Tom Brady. How are you doing, Andrew? And uh, and we also have have two two gentlemen on the other side of the table. Uh, so so John G. Doyle Jr. proudly serves as the fourth generation president and chief executive officer of Doyle Security Systems, overseeing operations in Buffalo, Syracuse, Albany, and Erie, Pennsylvania, in addition to their corporate headquarters in Rochester. John A. Doyle established the company on March 17th, which is St. Patrick's Day of 1919. So this is their 100th anniversary. And uh, and today, Doyle Security Systems is honored to protect more than 35,000 families and businesses throughout upstate New York and northwestern Pennsylvania. And they take pride in their commitment to the communities they serve. Uh, In addition to serving as president and CEO of Doyle, John has served as the director and chair of Excellus Blue Cross Blue Shield, Rochester Genesee Regional Transit Authority, and St. Anne's Community. He holds a BA in marketing from Syracuse University. And his son, Jack, uh, has a bachelor's in in business administration from St. Bonaventure, as well as some diverse experiences that we'll talk about before he joined the the family business. He was in in sales and and, uh, entrepreneur in corporate housing as well, uh, before joining Doyle in 2015 as business development manager and now serves as the director of business development. So welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much, Andrew. So it was really fun to me, uh, not only that, that it were, we're celebrating your 100th anniversary, um, but I was looking back through some of those celebrations and telling a little bit about your past. And so, so John A., you know, the, the founder, uh, he, was, he was a Rochester police officer. He was the first police commissioner for the town of Brighton and apparently an acquaintance of J. Edgar Hoover. Uh, I, I read in one of the articles, the first director of the FBI. So, so tell us a little bit about how this, this police officer... Uh, Turned it, turned it into the Doyle security. Where, where, where did that start? Um, I'll, I'll kick that off, and I'm sure Jack can chime in. Um, so my great-grandfather, I, I never had the, the, the pleasure to meet him, but have heard a lot about him. He was uh, very charismatic, very engaging. Um, he was, uh, as a young man, he joined the Rochester Police Department, and uh, he saw an opportunity in investigative services and decided on, on March uh, 17th, 1919, St. Patrick's Day, to uh, hang out a shingle and open up his own business for uh, private investigative services. So he was very entrepreneurial, and uh, he did have a wide network of, of acquaintances um, that evolved into a worldwide network, and we have um, we have diaries that he kept uh, working his cases around the world and, and traveling around. And back in those days, a lot of investigative work was done privately. Police departments weren't as sophisticated as they are today. And so a lot of people would hire out privately for everything from murders, to kidnappings, uh, major thefts. And, um, and he had a knack for doing that. He just had a kind of a natural ability. And um, he, he grew his reputation and grew it and, and uh, became very successful. And uh, so it's really kind of an interesting entrepreneurial story uh, that happened back, back in that time. Interesting. He was also a very uh, charismatic guy. He had, had a pretty amazing reputation around town, and, and kind of like you, Andrew, he had his own radio program. No or, or, yeah, he did. So he became really popular. I can't remember the name of the program, but uh, he was famous in, in this area for going on the air and, and sharing some of the, the details of these really like you know adventures that, that he got himself into with bringing fugitives to justice and and you know really difficult cases that him and his partners solved and. He just lived such a, a really a, a incredible lifestyle. It's uh, he, he was larger than life character. Sounds Neat. like the genesis of uh, reality uh, radio slash now into TV. Right. right. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, Pulp Fiction back then. He had some Pulp, pulp Fiction um, uh, stories written in, in those wow. magazines as well. So, yeah. yeah, he was out there. He did a great job. Wow. Yeah. All right. So we've, we've got we've got a hundred years of history to go through. So so get us up get us up to speed a little bit on how we go from from private investigators to to now uh, Doyle Security as it is today. Um, so for any company, um, no matter how old or young you are, I think the key to uh, longevity is, is adapting, um, adapting to changes in, in the markets. And uh, so over the generations, I think that that's something that 
our family fortunately has been very uh, careful about and and successful with. And so over uh, these many years, um, it evolved from private investigations. Uh, the the market for uniform security guard services emerged, and we we jumped on that. Um, the market for electronic alarm system emerged, and and we jumped into that. And you know, and over time, you know, some of them were were emerging, getting bigger, bigger, bigger. And private investigations, for example, was was shrinking. So um, you know, it's a matter of you know staying really close to the market and understanding what customers need and what technologies are emerging and, and what needs are emerging. So that we've, we've been very fortunate and have evolved through a lot of those different businesses over over time. And now we're primarily electronic systems. Right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And it's interesting, he doesn't talk about it much, but he was actually our, our last licensed private investigator that uh, oh, uh, worked no Kendall continues to work for the, the company. I mean, you get a badge for that? Or? <laughs> you could probably get a round one up. You showed his yeah. badge when you were in trouble. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> right. it, it wasn't easy growing up in a household with a private investigator. For that, you know, I did the best I could. Um, but what's kind of interesting is that um, though our business has evolved quite a bit, now we're in this electronic security space primarily um, through our, our reinvestment of those other business lines that my dad was talking about. But it's always been related to this protection and service of the community and uh, you know, finding ways to, to protect people and protect assets in the Monroe uh, County community and beyond that. And uh, really proud that uh, it, you know, it started with him and his background in, in law enforcement and really hasn't deviated that much since then. That's a great point. Our yeah. mission has never changed. Just the way we deliver it um, has, has evolved over time with technology and, and changing needs. So that's, that's a really great point. Our mission has never changed. Hmm. So at what point along this along the way, it sounds like you, you got into the, the private investigator uh, you know, role for a little while, but, but at what point along the way did you, did you always kind of grow up in the business thinking that you'd join one day? Or, or when, when did that sort of start to happen that you could see yourself as a, as a future leader of, of Doyle Security? Well, uh, you know, when growing up, I mean, you, you, uh, I was well aware of the business, well aware of what my dad did. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people can relate to that. You know, you, we all grow up admiring our fathers and, uh, um, you know, you're kind of aware of what they're doing and they they become a role model for you. And that was certainly true in my case. And so I was, um, you know, aware of the business. Um, and, and you almost begin to identify with the business too. And, you know, you see it out in the community and you hear about it and, you know, I know what my father's doing. And, um, and, and, uh, I would, I would imagine my siblings would say the same thing. And, um, you know, anybody in that kind of situation, I think could relate to that. So you begin to identify. So it was that starting point. And then on top of that, <clears throat> I always had an affinity myself for business um, I, you know, as a young kid, passed out flyers in the neighborhood, you know, trying to create my own work opportunities for yard work and stuff like that. Um, uh, right out of uh, uh, college, uh, started my own business um, selling balloonograms. And, and when my wife and I were first married, she she took that over. And, you know, so we started that up from scratch and I majored in marketing in school. And so it was kind of in me as well. And so the th- it was, I guess, maybe always in the back of my mind that, you know, this the family business is there and I, I, I'm kind of drawn to that activity. And, um, and you know, uh, it just, it, it, the stars lined up and it worked out for me. So once, once you decided, once you joined the business, once you're on that track, was there anything specific that they, they tried, to, tried to put you through to, to get you ready to, to take over? Or what, what did that kind of succession plan look like for you? Well, uh, you know, I remember in terms of the, uh, of the family, um, so I have two brothers and two sisters. Uh, my mother and father called a family meeting. And, uh, you know, my father was planning a second career. He was a deacon in the Catholic Church, and he wanted to uh, leave. He had he'd been in the business for about 30 years, and he was ready to transition. And he had a, really this really a, a passion uh, for, for counseling. And he started a counseling center in, here in Rochester uh, that still exists. My wife is now the executive director called Matt Talbot Ministries. So he was wanted to move into that. And so he was really wanting to create a family succession. He wanted to keep it in the family if possible. And so he called his family meeting and said, I'm making plans and I need to know, you know, who's interested, who's not interested. And those who are interested, you know, will kind of handle the estate this way, and those who aren't interested will handle the estate this way. And um, of my siblings at that time, and, and we're all pretty young, I have to say, at that point, but um, we, um, you know, I was the only one who kind of 
had that aptitude and passion and desire to do it. And um, I have uh, my other siblings have you know wanted to do different things, so it just kind of worked out that way. And then as far as getting ready. It was just a lot of on the job and, you know, a lot of downloading and debriefing from my father and other people in the company and, you know, getting out to industry types of functions and learning. And um, it, it was really just a lot of that. Sounds a little bit like early conscious capitalism to me. Your dad was a good businessman, but then he had this passion for, for counseling and, and creating a human organization. So Very those true. two things... Uh, are really what uh, the future of business is all about now. Yeah, very true. Yeah, and then I was I was reading a little bit in the archives, and I saw that at one point, once you were once you were leading the company and you're starting to think about your own succession somewhere down the road, you called a, a family meeting of your own and kind of set some some guidelines, some ground rules in terms of uh, you know getting outside experience and and some of those other elements, getting a getting a degree, uh, all these all these different elements. So. I guess first of all, how did you decide what the what the ground rules would be, and then and then I'm curious, you know, Jack, from your perspective, is I don't know what, what age you were at this point, but kind of what you were thinking, and and if at that point you thought Doyle was was in your future. I became a, a little bit of a student of the the succession planning process in a family business because uh, really driven out of concern, almost fear about preserving family harmony and preserving the business both, and our family business. Uh, went through a really tough time in the second generation, and it, uh, it it was very destructive to the business. There was my grandfather and his siblings um, had taken over for my great grandfather, and they you know it, it just things weren't going great, and they actually split the company in two, and um, and, and it, it really hurt the business and hurt the family. Um, so I knew that history pretty well. My father had you know shared a lot. My father tried to do better than than his father did, and. And I try to do, you know, take it another step further, and I became a student of it. You know, I belong to Young Presidents Organization, YPO, and there's a lot of great resources there. And, and there's other resources I've tapped into about, you know, what's the state of the art? What, what are the benchmarks for, for doing this? And uh, so my wife and I decided very early on that, you know, we were going to talk about it regularly w- with our kids and, and uh make sure they're fully informed and, you know, what the options are. And then we thought about, well, you know, what, what should the criteria be? And we came up with a list of things, um, you know, college degree, related college degree, work somewhere else for a while, um, and then some expectations that if you did join the business, give a year's notice if, if you want to come in so we have time to plan and uh, figure that out. So um, I'm going to say, geez, we started this, uh, Jack and better remember, but the, the kids were pretty young when we started mm. and, and started out very informal. And now it's evolved with more formality and more time and more structure to it. And, um, and we have actually have a, a family business retreat coming up uh, next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of credit goes by that. I, I don't remember exactly when it was uh, in my childhood, but those expectations were, were pretty clear uh, from a pretty early age. And I always embraced that. You know, my um, you know, growing up, my experience was kind of similar to, to my dad's in that um, I always had a passion for the business. I always kind of looked up to, to him and what he was doing, and um, saw you know uh, you know we had a reputation in the community, and you know our, our names out there on buildings, and it was just a huge point of pride for me. And um, you know whether you know I was thinking about those logistics of you know outside work and all that, and I couldn't really I don't really remember for sure, but I always knew that. Um, I definitely wanted a career um, in the family business, and um, you know, just couldn't accept any any scenario that I wouldn't be a part of it. Couldn't accept any scenario that it would no longer be a family company or that it wouldn't exist. So, for me, it was always kind of a foregone conclusion that I would I would be back here and and working for the family business. Um, now, with my background, you know, I graduated from St. Bonaventure in in two thousand and six. And um, I did seek out some outside work experience. Actually, I took the first job that, that made me an mm-hmm. offer, which was uh, uh, selling copy machines out in Syracuse, New York, which uh, is probably not the um, most glamorous thing to do, but it was really an excellent experience. And it was a, it was a nice company that I worked for and um, taught me just a lot about um, hard work and, and humility and um, grinding it out, you know, for lack of a better term. And uh, it, w- it was a, a unique preparation for um, other parts of my career. I st- also had this kind of entrepreneurial um, 
ambition, and I, I decided to move to Washington, D.C., which I did, and then I started a small business there, um, a corporate housing business, and uh, I ran that for uh, about four years, and uh, then finally decided it was time to come back and, and get started with the family business. But um, to prepare me for, for the family business, you know, outside of those you know, two major milestones, um, I did spend a lot of time from high school onwards and semesters off from college working at the family business in various capacities. And I've done, gosh, almost everything over there at this point. You know, I've done some sales. Um, I was a locksmith for a summer, um, did some work out in the field doing uh, uh, service and inspections and, and uh, installations of these security systems. And uh, also worked in our, our response center. So I was uh, that guy in the TV commercial who's got the headset on, like, <laughs> sir, is everything okay? You know, should we dispatch the police? Uh, that was me for a good number of years. And uh, I really got a well-rounded background and really only just crystallized and solidified my ambition to be a major part of Doyle Security. And uh, yeah, it's been um, almost five years now that I've been back full time. And uh, it's just been a tremendous experience. And honestly, I, I have a lot of gratitude uh, for my dad in, in setting up um, the expectations um, from a very early age. So we all knew where we stood um, and, and what it was going to take to be a part of it. And uh, just really happy that uh, uh, that was so clear. And, and I have this opportunity that I, I'm taking today. Yeah, yeah. So now, what are the status then of, of your siblings? Because I know that, uh, you know, for me, I had, uh, you know, one, one of my older sisters is just being a teacher is in her DNA and she's absolutely perfect for it and, and, yeah. and her students love her. My other sister is at different points, you know, thought about it, but, uh, you know, is, is now has some, a couple little ones. And so maybe the entrepreneurial journey isn't, isn't in her, in it for, for right now anyways. But, um, you know, it's, it's always, it's always different life stages, different things going on in the family. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, where, where's the status now? And, and are there others that are maybe thinking about potentially joining as well? Mm -hmm. So I have three siblings and they, they've all have, you know, varying levels of interest in, in joining the business. I'm, Extremely happy and excited um, to let you know that my sister, um, the, who's the, the next oldest, I'm the oldest of four, um, did decide to join the business full time and uh, has been working with us part time for, gosh, about four months now, five months, something yeah. like that. And uh, starting in September, she's going to be coming on full time um, in a position that uh, became available. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, my brother, Eric, um, has also um, you know, stated his interest in, in making a career at Doyle. Um, which you know we we hope he does that right now. He's got uh, a wonderful sales career um, that that led him out to Kansas City, Missouri, um, where he just recently w was married. Um, so we don't know his exact timeline yet, but uh, we fully expect that you know he'll he'll make an appearance and, and come back and grace us at some point in the near future. But uh, really excited about that. And then I have uh, one um, other sister, Chloe, who's uh, my youngest, who. Um, hasn't uh, explicitly stated an interest, but hasn't ruled it out either. And uh, she's got uh, another marketing career down in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, so uh, you know, the jury's still out on on what's going to happen there. But um, you know, for our generation, there's a little bit more involvement than there was for my dad's. Right. Um, but you know, we totally embrace it. It's it's awesome, and uh, it couldn't be more fun to work with my dad and my sister in, in the same environment. It's great. How neat! Yeah, it, it, we'll have to have you on in uh, in five years after after several of those are back, and you're trying to figure out, you know, fit the puzzle pieces together of who fits where for the next generation. Yeah. But uh, one of the things I kind of wanted to talk about, uh, in just in terms of not necessarily family business related, although although certainly you know I, I've read a, a few things, uh, John, that you've said where. Uh, you know that that the values and kind of the culture and that employee focus mentality were really baked in from the start. Uh, but when did you really decide to articulate those values? That you know something you know to write those down and to start to be more explicit about that culture that you were trying to create. Well, I feel like I'm speaking to value gurus here with you <laughs> two guys and, and all the great work you've done with conscious capitalism. And I'm, I'm a big fan of, of the concepts behind conscious capitalism. Um, so at our company, um, we, uh, we developed uh, an, a brand identification really for that internally. It's called Promise and Deliver. And, um, you know, and again, this is really passed down from the generations. It's been articulated different ways. Um, but engagement is huge. And, uh, and, and, you know, kind of operating from uh, dri being driven by values 
is first and foremost, and that drives the business. It's, it's in my opinion, it's a better way to do life. It's a better way to do business, and it and it results in in uh, better business outcomes as well, and more satisfying personal outcomes. So I'm just a believer in that, and um, so you know we we embrace that uh, philosophy and um, have done a lot of work around it. I've always got to hand it to uh, anybody that declares what their values are because uh, now that when you were talking about pressure, right. <laughs> now it's like, wow, we really have to live those because when we're deviating from them, hopefully somebody will say, is that really consistent with engagement, that what is happening right now? And it's a, it's a, it's a true north in a way for, for people to be involved and help create that culture. It's a really good point. Once you put it out there, it, it raises the stakes considerably, and you need to ask yourself every day if you're living up to those you know, lofty goals that you've set for yourself. So since you articulated them, maybe, and there's a question for either of you, has there been anything where maybe you noticed a, I don't know, lack of alignment or just somewhere where you could live it more effectively? Or, or is there any kind of practices that you've kind of tried to, trying to bake into you know, your hiring or your promotions or, or different, different elements where you try to say, let's really prioritize the culture and, and bake it into our kind of everyday practices? Um, I, I think it manifests itself in, in a lot of different ways. I mean, you, you mentioned hiring, for instance. Um, you know, I don't know that we have a, a stated philosophy specifically on hiring, though I, we may, and maybe my dad will know a little better, but, um, you know, trying to find people that, or, or just putting a little more weight in the attitude and um, what you feel like, uh, how you feel like a, a, an applicant might identify with your values, I guess. Um, just trying to make smarter decisions that aren't, aren't purely based on dollars and cents, you know, and, and the hiring component and, and, and others, but uh, I'd ask my dad to... Yeah, we, you know, we, there's a number of things we do. We, we, uh, we definitely try to align ourselves with people in the hiring process that um, are compatible with the values. We try to screen for that. And, uh, and, and, and we look at personality and we look at the values, and the, which are kind of intertwined. And it's, it's a lot easier to train a job skill than it is that stuff. And so, if, if if someone comes in with a you know a strong fit, um, that's you know weighted a little bit higher, um, and that's really really important to us. Um, I also sit down one on one as kind of a, a pre orientation with every new person coming into the company, and I go through the values um, and our mission vision as well, um, and uh, you know spend some time you know kind of reinforcing uh, our perspective on that and you know trying to you know confirm that they're coming from a similar place and, and try to get that seed planted right up front. Um, we also do employee opinion surveys. Um, so, you know, we've, we've, we've stated our values. Let me add that in first before the survey. So we, we went through a process. First, we kind of just kind of went by the seat of our pants, kind of knowing, you know, we're good people and we're trying to do good things. Mm-hmm. And, and then that evolved to, you know what, we should, we should kind of list these things out and put them in a frame on the wall. Exactly. And then from there, you know, and that wasn't quite enough. And so then we, the next big step we took was, you know, let's go through those again. And, and what are the, the behaviors that drive those? And let's list out those. What does it look like when those things happen? And then, and we had some, some consulting help with that. And then, you know, we try to take that another step and, and recognize those good things when they happen and try to positively reinforce the behavior that represents the values that we want. So we've come a long way and we're, we got a long way to go, but, um, you know, and I see some companies out there that, you know, are role models for me that, you know, I, I feel like we're not there yet, but we're working hard on it. And so, um, you know, we have, we have those values and then we went on the surveys. Um, we have, we give employees a confidential opportunity to call us out. That's right. You know, all right, this one's working, and but this one's not. And then we'll we'll have a campaign, and, and Jack's run a number of these campaigns to to improve, move the needle on those things. And so we're walking the talk. Mm-hmm. We take those survey um, analytics and what we what we attempt to do, or, or have done in the past, and we're still kind of fleshing out, you know, how this program will will live on in the future. But um, we'll actually go to to every individual branch or department of the company and. Um, Ask for some clarification and, and some more specific feedback on on some of the constructive criticism that we might get. Um, we take you know all the 
detractors and, and take you know their biggest issues and and try to pick out one maybe two things in like a quarter that we can focus on um, to to try and get better and to live our values a little bit more and you know we do sometimes we do a better job than than others with with certain issues but uh, the effort is there with our management team and our leadership team and uh, I feel like it does make an impact and if I could there's one thing that my dad kind of glossed over that uh, I think is so cool that he does um, that I think is a little bit different from any other environment that I've been a part of. But um, in addition to these orientations, he makes an effort to meet every new hire personally um, to the extent that it's possible. Um, anyone for sure that we're bringing into to the Rochester office, I know he budgets uh, just one half hour meeting, you know, but at a company of uh, 175, that's not easy to do mm-hmm. for, for one person. Um, but it kind of sets a tone. Um, I'm not sure you know you realize the impact, but people tell me all the time um, just how impressed they are is is a, a new hire to to get you know just a one on one audience with the CEO and president of the company um, just to hear it straight from the horse's mouth you know what we're all about you know who we see ourselves as and uh, I think I've always thought that's a little bit unique and you know I hope that we continue on with that you know long after my dad's left the company I think it's a really cool. I agree really with you, Jack. I think it's a big deal. Yeah, I always did. Uh, never, never underestimate the power you have as an owner or as a manager. Time is gold, right. and when you spend time with people, you're honoring them uh, like like almost in, in no other way. I thought maybe Andrew, this would be a good uh, place too to segue uh, because you're a merger and acquisition company. And uh, and so for us particularly, uh, values is fundamental to a successful one, right? And and I know in talking to you over the years that uh, not only do you try to you try to talk to these people about uh, you know their values, but integrating them into uh, into your system, if you will, make is really part of the we can always do better. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that question, and uh, Andrew, you you rattled off our branch offices at, at at the start of this, and through an acquisition, we actually just added two more in the Mid Hudson region. So we're, we have offices in Fishkill, New York, and Catskill, New York, as Me. well. Um, so, um, and, and Tom, I appreciate that question. It's 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 uh, it's a great one, and the way we try to deal with that is, um, and we do a lot of acquisitions. Um, we're regional company that um, is known to be uh, a safety net. If, if you're a smaller company without a, a, a different succession plan, we're an option. And, and that's helped us grow. It's been a win-win, and we've done a lot of it. So um, what we try to do up front is line ourselves up with people that, again, like a, a new employee coming in, a, a company looking at their culture and, and the personality of the company and make sure it's a good fit. And we've tried to force fit some ones that, you know, we, Wisdom is another way of saying, you know, sharing the mistakes you've made. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, we learn. And, and so matching up, making sure it's a good fit going in. Um, and then we'll do similar orientation processes uh, on the way in. Um, so I did an orientation actually in our Fishkill office uh, three weeks ago. Um, we closed on that acquisition in February and spent a lot of, you know, tremendous amount of integration work. Um, and the time came for... Uh, for the orientation and, you know, went through the, the whole uh, presentation about the values and how important they are and so on. So we take that step as well. And then, you know, we just we just try to keep that expectation out there. And when you bring on, in this case, this is one of our larger deals ever. Um, it, it, there were 50 employees that came with it. So, and there's some great, great people. We're very, very lucky, and that's the greatest asset we got from this. Um, but you know, not 100. percent We're lined up, and 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 that you know will work itself out. And I found over time that when the values aren't aligned, it comes out in the wash at some point, one way or the other. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to expand on that a little bit, yeah, I've I've been spending a, a good deal of time. Um, in Hudson Valley, uh, kind of meeting that team and really a tremendous group of people. And, um, you know, we've learned quite a bit from them already, too. And, uh, you know, they had their own unique culture, but uh, it's difficult. You know, usually the acquisitions um, that we're talking about involve, you know, maybe maybe bringing on one to five new people, um, which, you know, you kind of get an opportunity for them to 
just you know receive the culture through osmosis and you know we'll do our you know our orientation curriculum with them but um, it, it won't be uh, as necessary to to you know pull out all the stops and and you know make a real point of it um, this is is a little bit different and it's been kind of a unique challenge for us that you know for the most part I'd say has gone extremely well yeah, so far um, that was a, a great step in that process um, you bring on a, a close-knit group of 55 people that you know have their own way of thinking and you know their own sets of values and you try to be um, respectful of those and you know accept the things that are, are good about it um, you know while also trying to bring them into the fold um, so it's been a, a learning experience for sure. But uh, over time, like my dad said, you know, we know that we'll be one unified team with a, a common set of, of values. Yeah, you know, I, one of the things that I really like about this kind of conscious capitalism mindset, and I think that it ties in interestingly with with family businesses in general. They talk in conscious capitalism about this this Native American. Actually, it's an Iroquois uh, principle of the seventh generation principle. They talk about making the decisions that are going to be the best for your descendants seven generations hence. And and I think part of the problem with you know the capitalism the the version of capitalism that gets a bad name is when we're chasing quarterly numbers and we're we're doing things for the short term that aren't in necessarily that that seven seventh generation uh, you know best interests and so um i'm curious from you all you know you've been around for 100 years you've obviously had a a long term orientation i i assume you want to be around for another 100 or more uh you know what is there anything you can think of where you know you had to kind of prioritize the kind of the long term, prioritize your purpose and culture over some of those those short term, you know, easy easy win kind of profit things, but that might, may have hurt you in the long term. Um, that's that's a really good question. You want to take that, or you want me? To- um, yeah, I mean, I, I can. I would say there there's certainly examples of that uh, that aren't top of mind right now, but generally speaking, you know, I do agree with that. I, you know, I, th- I think the, the, the free market, uh, helps a lot of that too. I mean, it, it, it puts you on a path. I, even with conscious capitalism, um, I, I think those kinds of companies, um, operating in, in the free market will eventually do better and it will catch on that way. We hope so. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's true. Both both from the human, uh, I'll say, uh, employee uh, perspective and also from the financial perspective. And um, people are going to want to work for companies like that. And, um, you know, companies like that are going to do better long run. You know, I, I trust that's true. Time will tell. I, I believe it's true. So I think that the, the market playing out uh, will, will do that. So... I'm going to offer you a specific example now that I'm you know, having a chance to, to reflect on it a little bit. But um, you know, the residential security business, um, in particular, has become volatile. You know, these this past decade or so, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of new entrants. You know, you recognize a lot of the names. You know, Google and Amazon are in it. ADT, um, and there's a, a pretty low barrier to entry um, in this residential space. And for that reason, there's you know all sorts of of you know different. Uh, sizes and shapes of, of businesses out there that, you know, some of which, and, and I would never name any names, are, are you know, try are, are really just trying to make a quick buck. And you know, we've seen some people get burned to the point where, you know, you've seen some pretty negative news coverage of uh, residential, you know, security sales and um, people scamming, you know, uh, older people like you know, uh, pretending to be other companies and and you know getting people into to new ironclad long-term contracts. And um, I, just, I just say that we've had discussions about, you know, how do we, how do we compete with, like, you know, the, these fly-by-nights and, and, you know, unscrupulous companies out there that are willing to say and do anything, you know, just, just to make a quick buck. Um, and again, without being too specific, you know, we've always made the decision that, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to prioritize our integrity. You know, we're we're going to to be. You know, though we might be a target in the short term for some of these companies. You know, we're going to maintain our integrity. We're going to continue to try and live our values, and you know, we're not going to uh, sacrifice um, our our ethics to just make a quick buck. And that means, I think, a lot of times, you know, losing some of those deals where. Um, Someone's going out there and saying, "We're going to do it all for free," and then you know, six months later, the customer's calling us back, you know, hoping they can get out of their contract with you know this unscrupulous company. I mean, we we see it happen sometimes. It's not always uh, to our benefit, but 
Um, I guess that that'd just be one specific example of how that would manifest itself to yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, John. You know, you mentioned that in the long term. You know, we, we we're all hoping that you know, as there's more transparency in the world, everybody's got a communication, you know, video recording device in their pocket that they can transmit things around the world. That's you know, the the more transparency that gets created, that those companies that are doing the right thing and are are being ethical, you know, have a, have a chance to to rise to the top. And you know, you can't you can't just put out marketing messages anymore because it's now just as much of what people are saying about you. Uh, you know that that is part of your your brand. Um, so I guess as we're moving in this direction, and I think all all four of us around the table, you know, hope to see that in the long run that continues to become more and more the norm. But what do you think is is a, some of the barriers? Maybe with folks that you know, fellow business owners, people that are more in that traditional capitalist mindset. Um, why? What do you think keeps more companies from kind of adopting this longer term oriented conscious capitalism type approach? Okay, I'll take a shot at that. I, I think, um, yeah, I think it's a mix of things. I think one is, you know, some people don't have that worldview and they're just out for the quick buck and, you know, don't have, the, or they, let's say they have different values that don't line up with that. And, you know, you will see those companies financially do well too in, in, in some cases. So um, they just have a different uh, view of the world and, you know, I don't, subscribe to it, but there it is. And so there, you've got that. I think in other cases, you know, business is a grind too. And I think you can get um, focused in on just what does it take for me to get through tomorrow? And what does it take for me to get through next week? And maybe you don't quite have the time to to focus on on the longer term stuff or, or, you know, the value stuff like that. So I think that can come into play as well. So um, I, I think the... Those that subscribe to it and commit to it, um, it's going to pay off. And I think you will see a trend. I, I think that will be a growing trend because of that. I don't think you could ever wave a magic wand and you know change everybody over to that right away. But I think it will incrementally, incrementally grow. Um, and uh, you know, probably each new generation, you know, will take another step as well, and, and they'll they'll kind of get it more. And I think it'll just kind of feed on itself. That's my take. I think consumers want that out of their business. And I think that, you know, business owners who, who don't have, you know, aren't thinking about that or, or you know, investing some time in it, um, it'll come back to bite them eventually. Because I, I think that um, more and more consumers uh, are, are looking for companies that, that share their values, that they feel like they can trust. Um, and it's, I think, becoming easier to, to spot the ones that do and spot the ones that don't. So I also see it as, as becoming increasingly important. So if there's somebody maybe that uh, is seeing that, that Doyle's been around for 100 years, they've been doing it, you know, the, no, nobody's perfect, but you've been doing it, you know, for the most part, the, the right way, the ethical way, uh, you know, having that long-term approach. And they're saying, oh, maybe, this, maybe there's something to this conscious capitalism thing. Uh, you know, maybe if I want to be around in, in 100 years, what, what kinds of, where would you kind of tell them maybe to start in terms of trying to build a culture that really does have some of those, you know, ethical principles? If their business right now maybe isn't there, maybe they weren't lucky enough to have that, you know, baked in with their DNA from the start. Is there any, any advice you kind of give in, in getting started on that journey? I think my dad's the expert, but I, I'll just say, Start by writing it down. I mean, you know, what are your values, and and explore those first, and you know, see if if, I mean, are they values that you you know truly aspire to? Or are they things that you actually live? And um, you know, I think most businesses uh, tend to mirror the values of, of their leadership, and uh, I think I'd start with that just by trying to define them, um, and then find ways to to incorporate them into your work life. Yeah, I'll try to build on that. So I think um, you know people could start by benchmarking, um, looking at companies that you know that do do business that way, and uh, you know make an evaluation. Uh, it, it, do these companies do well? I think they're going to find the answer is yes. Um, and I think uh, then it's it's a matter of a you know a conscious decision to say you know I, I, I'm going to say. After that analysis, this is important. This is something I should do, and and then there's lots of resources to you know to go about and and, uh, and try to accomplish it. 
And, um, you know, you guys have done a lot of great work organizing a local chapter of Conscious Capitalism. So that's a great resource for people to come check it out. There's a lot of books and there's a lot of benchmarking stuff out there available. Um, so if somebody really wanted to kind of, you know, do a gut check on how they're approaching life and how they're approaching business, um, I think they could, you know, you know, reflect on those things a little bit. And then, you know, you make a decision, you make a commitment to, to and take what steps you can. And again, we're in business day to day and so you got your day to day stuff you got to worry about. So you just can't f- drop everything else and just focus on that. You're going to have to, for a small business, that's at least in my experience, um, you got to fit it in as best you can. Um, so, you know, I think that, that if somebody really wanted to consider it, that'd be a way to start. Yeah, I think that indeed is one of the reasons why we started the chapter, uh, you know, to bring people that uh, have a an affinity for this that, A, want to learn themselves, but also would be willing to let other people come and talk to them. As a matter of fact, when we started our chapter, uh, your name came up, John, is, you know, you ought to go talk to John Doyle. So, of course, that's exactly what I did. And... Uh, and so it's that kind of, and you know, obviously you were very willing. I mean, this is our life. These businesses are our life. We we kind of love sharing this stuff. Uh, this podcast is probably another great example of it. So listeners out there, uh, uh, if something that was said today uh, uh, piques your fancy, uh, pretty soon if uh, Jack does it, does it keeps doing it well, John's going to have all kinds of time on his hands. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Everything goes according to plan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah, it's, so- it's on a great track let me tell you <laughs> somehow oh, we're, you. Uh, we're we're running short on time already but i do want to at least spend a, a, a our last few minutes anyways talking a little bit about about that specifically is uh you know as you're you're still in the midst of this this transition process um i'd be curious from a couple different angles you know it, are there certain things that you're still you know focused on you know jack that certain experiences that that you are trying to trying to get under your belt to to feel more comfortable in a leadership role or or are there anything that you know other family businesses uh that are that are listening in that are going through a succession kind of you know lessons learned along the way what, what are some of the things really that have been most important in that succession and then what are some of the things you still have yet to do yeah, that's a really great question. So, um, you know, there's there's quite a bit left to do, and, and my dad's got some time left at, in the in the I'm business. I'm not kicking yeah. out the door. Sorry. <laughs> he was a lot um, younger than I was when I started this thing. Um, but you know, I give him a lot of credit. He he set up a, a really good system for for myself and my siblings to to succeed um, and make a career here. Um, you know, we'll, the specifics of, of this plan will will materialize at some point down the road, but. Um, as far as advice is concerned um, for other business owners or, or next generation um, potential business owners, I'd just say to, to you know just treat it with the, the respect uh, and humility that it deserves and, and try not to take anything for granted. It's uh, you know easy to, easy to say that. It's easier said than done, definitely, but um, I think you, you need to find a way to come in and, and work harder than you know. Um, you've ever worked before? Um, try to try to set right uh, the best example because people are going to be, you know, looking at you as a family member uh, attentively and, and wondering, you know, what's he going to be all about? Is it, is it going to be better? Is it going to be worse? You know, um, how's this? What's this going to mean for me? Is this guy work as hard as is, is his dad or, or other people in the company? Um, so you got to be really uh, cautious and, and prepared to to work hard um, and also to to. Have the humility to uh, not overstep um, if you're coming in um, at a more entry level role, um, and, and take the time to uh, learn and, and uh, collect feedback from your peers, and uh, not to try to, to overstep your boundaries. I mean, it's a lot. There, there's a lot that would go into, it, and every company is a little bit different. Um, I'd say one thing that you know we had the luxury of doing is you know we have a non-family member in an executive role that. Um, rather than me report directly to my dad, I actually report to our COO, um, who's not a family member, but uh, is a highly trusted uh, member of the team who's been with us for a really long time. And thereby, you, you kind of set up a, a, almost like a neutral buffer so that um, it's not always you know, our, our personal relationship that, that's on the line. You know, we work together pretty frequently, which you know, I 
genuinely love every moment of, and I feel yeah. like he does too. Yeah. Um, but he, he set up this system where you know I can get authentic feedback from someone who is in a position of authority to to give it to me, um, and that if I'm you know not acting in the right way, you know he can guide me and give me some wisdom. Um, so if you have that luxury, you know if you're able to set up a, a kind of buffer like that. Um, where you know your personal relationships uh, won't get involved in the, in the business part of it, I say that's a, that's a smart move too. I'd invite my dad to comment. You know, there's a lot of things I think that he did that were wise to help set up a healthy environment for this kind of thing. Um, let me just do a couple qualifiers first. One, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky with Jack because he's outstanding and amazing. So he's making me look good wow. and making it look easy. Um, the other thing Same I would say, yeah. <laughs> Tom, you and I can relate. Uh, exactly. Um, secondly, you know, I'm not through this yet. So, I mean, we'll see how, how well all this is working out. <laughs> yeah, it might end badly. <laughs> <laughs> On paper right now and you know, up to this point, it, it, it feels right. I, I feel very good about it. I know this. I, I know we're doing everything we can to uh, create this opportunity to, to go another generation. That's my hope and my dream. Um, if, if there's... You know, I would boil it down to three things, and, and these have been shared with me as, as I've tried to, you know, look, you know, grow on this topic and learn more about this topic. But it, it's if if you have a family business or you, you're a founder, and you you, you want to keep the option open for a family business, and you're looking at you know possible succession in the future, start really early. You can't start too early. Almost. I mean, if if your you know kids are in high school or even. You know, approaching high school, you can have some conversations. Communicate often with transparency. And um, I would also encourage strongly investing in a experienced family succession consultant. You know, so we've done some of that, and it's been hugely helpful to us. Um, but those three things, you know, start very early, communicate often, and get some help. And I think that's your best shot at it. And there's no guarantees. I mean, the stars have to line up. Um, family harmony is a fragile thing. Business success is a fragile thing. So, you know, both things need to be protected. And, you know, if there's one thing that keeps me up at night, it's how do, you know, how do we accomplish those two things? Um, so I'm very, very focused on it. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, my kids are amazing and we have great harmony. And so I'm, I'm optimistic and I'm bullish on it. And, uh, but, you know, it's going to take a lot of that communication and, and a lot of work there. Yeah, I, from what I hear from both of you really is uh, you can't do this alone. John can't do it alone. I couldn't do it alone. There are certain things you do so innately that it's almost impossible to teach. So other than leading by example, which, of course, uh, is huge. And so in our case, Andrew got a master's degree in the fundamentals of positive psychology, which was part of our DNA, but yeah, could be articulated much better, you know, uh, uh, by by others. Um, and then I participated in quite an extensive consulting uh, process uh, and mentor and coach because I just kind of did it. Mm -hmm. So again, there's certain things you can teach and having your, the CEO as, a, as another resource uh, mm -hmm. is great. You just can't do it alone. And, and if you're the success E, you have, to, you have to sometimes look and ask for other opportunities, I think, for you to, to grow Outside of you know your 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 uh, your company or your dad, so that's great. That's great advice, Tom. And I'd 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 also say that it, for someone in my shoes, you know, a piece of advice coming in, you're going to get perpetually compared to those who came before you. And you know, it may sound like a, a platitude, but um, you got to be your own person and and you know try to to shed that. You know, be the best person that you can be. And uh, people will uh, eventually come to come to respect that, you know, even if they're initially looking for uh, more of the same of what they're used to. Uh, it's it's impossible to to live up to those kind of expectations. So you just gotta um, be the best person you can be. Well said. So last last question, just to kind of wrap up. I usually kind of just want to see get a, get an idea of in the next you know five or ten years, what do you see coming along the pipe for uh, for for Doyle and and you know maybe how do you see that. 
purpose evolving, or how do you think you can take your your you know your culture to the next level? Um, so you know, five to ten years down the road, what is what does success look like? Maybe a hundred years. I don't know. What is a hundred years success <laughs> well, well, look like? Taking, in the spirit of starting early. Thanks, Jack's <laughs> taking over our strategic strategic planning process this year, so I'm going to let him answer right. that question. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. And we haven't uh, thought of a hundred year plan yet. <laughs> we should probably look into that. Um, you know, there's a lot of exciting things on the horizons. Just you know, on the business front. Um, High tech. I mean, there are so many new things um, available to us as security dealers um, in the in the the video surveillance space and the access control space, um, and and you know tying these uh, uh, just amazing high tech platforms in together. You talk about you know uh, object recognition and facial recognition and uh, video analytics and. You know, doing amazing things that were never possible. Uh, you know, picking people out of a crowd, um, utilizing drones for for surveillance. Um, I think that there's all sorts of exciting uh, technology out there that uh, eventually companies like ours will be able to leverage. Um, and on the culture side, um, you know, I think it's just something that's got to continue to evolve and and something that we got to continue to pay attention to. And I think that um, you know, as long as um, you know, our hearts are in it, and and you know, our our ambition is to um, you know, have a, a conscious style of capitalism that um, you know will continue to do it, and it'll continue to evolve. And uh, I, I expect, just like these previous hundred years, that you know, a hundred years down the road, if, if we're still lucky enough to be around, that uh, we're still going to be very much oriented towards uh, protecting and serving the community in this capacity. Great. Well, hopefully, I don't know. I don't know if podcasts will still be a thing in a hundred years, but hopefully, we'll still be able to access this and take a take a listen to see see how we're doing. Because uh, yeah. you know, I really appreciate your time. Uh, you know, sharing your wisdom today, uh, but but also just. The, the the way that you're you've been pioneers of this more conscious way of, of doing business for the last hundred and and I, I hope and, and I encourage and I have no doubt that you'll continue to be pioneers pushing us and, and pushing Rochester forward for the future. So thanks so much. Oh, thanks so much for having us. It's been a lot of fun. Really great to be with you both and talk about all this great stuff. So thank you. Our Second pleasure. Dad. Yeah, you guys are amazing. To you. Thanks thank so, you much. so much. Yeah. yeah. Pleasure to be here. This episode is brought to you by Wicked Squid Studios, Rochester, New York's premier podcast development team. The Wicked Squid family brings ideas to life through the art of audio production. From custom jingles and creative services to studio memberships and educational curriculum, their outfit strives to empower all members of society to build a more equal and colorful world. Learn more about their operation at wickedsquidstudios.com.